Mercedes. Hi, how are you? Good evening. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Oh, good. I was hoping you weren't going to have any trouble getting Thanks in. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, it is my pleasure. I'm excited uh, to have you. Um, you know, I was going through you know your videos and uh, and your site and social media, and I said, you know what, this is going to be really, really cool. So thanks for being on the show tonight. And can oh, you hear no me? Problem. Okay, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, all right, good. It's, that little, it's, it's a little choppy, um, but I can hear you. Okay, I thought I heard like a little static, but I want to uh, welcome Mercedes Diane Griffin Forbes to the Stroke Diva Fabulous radio show. We are live and recorded on uh, Talk Show and looking forward to our conversation. You know, you are so busy. I have to say a big thank you and kudos for putting together a flyer. <laughs> and I was like, wow, she did it like with a quickness. You are just on it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm a big planner. So as long as I can get it in the calendar, I can make it work. I know. So now you are a consultant plus blogger, but focusing on agribusiness and gender equality or equity. And I want to talk mm -hmm. about, I want to talk mm -hmm. to you about this entrepreneurial spirit, but it's just not being an entrepreneur. I mean, you are the primary contributor to DG Speaks, uh, the CEO, and you're going to have to help mm -hmm. me with pronunciation of the global. Mkati. Okay, thank you. And then you're also the CEO mm -hmm. of Wonderlust Her and founder of the Mercedes. And mm -hmm. help me again with the pronunciation of this foundation for women and girls. So welcome. Mercedes Power Foundation. Thank Great. you. Yeah. So I have been definitely a serial entrepreneur all throughout my life. <laughs> uh -huh. Done lots of projects. Um, right now, I'm I'm pretty much solely focused on um, my online activities with DG Speaks and the Mercedes Power Foundation. Um, primarily, that is where all of my time is going. Okay, tell us about, uh, let's start with the, the foundation. Tell us about that, how it started and uh, and how folks- Well, my background, my background is in, um, okay, uh, my background is in international development and uh, my mother is originally from Colombia. So I've always had an interest in foreign affairs and foreign issues, uh, particularly economic development. So. My grandmother died um, in 2010, my mother's mother, and she was very active um, in her community and really did a lot to try to help um, empower others. And so when she died, I decided that I wanted to do something in her, in her honor and decided to create this foundation utilizing the skills that I had in international development um, to try to um, create something that would honor her, but would also serve to help the community there 
in um, San Andreas, Colombia, where my family is from. Since then, we've branched out to doing um, other activities in Kenya, in Haiti, and also in the United States, here in Washington, D.C., and in North Carolina, which is where um, the foundation is actually based. So um, it's been around 10 years. We've had um, a number of really great programs. We did Women's Leadership Circle for a number of years, providing training and all sorts of business skills. We have done marketing programs, health outreach um, in various places. So it's been a really good run, and I'm very excited to see how we're going to continue to grow um, in the next decade. Now, and this is your family is working with you on this? No, this is not a family-run organization. It is a 501c3. Uh, it is publicly funded. Um, we operate uh, with a volunteer staff. I do run the majority of the administrative work, but when it comes to doing programs in countries, we partner with local organizations who take on the administrative capacity. Wow, that is absolutely phenomenal. Congratulations on that. That is, and how can people you, find out more you. about the organization? Anyone can go online and visit our website at um, PARA Foundation. PARA is spelled P-A-R-R-A, parafoundation.org, or on uh, Facebook at the Mercedes PARA Foundation. We have um, all the social media. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. We try to keep um, a public presence. Our volunteer opportunities are listed on Volunteer Match. So if anyone were to do just a search um, under Google for the Mercedes Power Foundation, it would pull up all of those links. Okay, okay. And now, so let's talk about being an entrepreneur and having the entrepreneurial spirit. Tell us about your work thus far. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, being an entrepreneur has kind of come second nature. Um, <laughs> my mother has um, always been very entrepreneurial. She is a seamstress um, by trade, and since I was a very young girl, she always had different um, ventures going on. She used to do home interior, Tupperware. She sold clothes for people. So she worked um, full time, but, you know, as a working class mom, she always had to find ways to supplement her income. So she taught me very early on the importance of finding your own way. And I've been trying to run little businesses here and there ever since I was in middle school. I started selling candy in middle school. My mother used to take me to the warehouse distributor, and we would buy the candy in bulk, and I would sell it in school at a markup. So I've been on this path for a long time. <laughs> that is that is awesome. That is awesome. And what um give us some of some some tidbits. What have you learned along the way? Um, one of the things that it took me the longest to learn was the importance of focus. Um, I'm one of those people that uh, picks up skills very quickly, very easily, and I get very gung ho about um, whenever I learn something new and, you know, am creative also. So, you know, I'm always like, oh, I can do this. Let me try this. Let me start this project. Let me start that project. And, you know, when you stretch yourself too thin, you become ineffective in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. 
And so um, as I got older and, and really started to become more savvy in terms of business and operating a real business, I learned that focusing on my core strengths was very important and not to stretch myself too thin and jump on every little thing that may have seemed like it was a good idea at the time to really think through, you know, strategies before I made any kind of uh, business decisions. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, your online presence is, you know, I love your website, your online presence is, I mean, you are, you are busy, so I can see you stretching yourself thin. <laughs> and I was listening, um, you know, watching your video, on, your video on YouTube, talking about, I guess, trying to streamline some of what you're doing, you know, so that you have the energy to do everything you want to do. Mm -hmm. And tell us about mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. So a big part of, you know, where I am now is really um, downsizing. You know, a lot of things that I was involved in in, in the past, I'm, I'm no longer involved in. So I've cut some of my community work, um, things that I was doing on a volunteer basis, freelance gigs that I had picked up here and there, and really spending most of my time just, you know, making sure that, I am being very strategic in the tasks that I undertake. Um, I do outsource a lot of things. I automate a lot of my work, especially my online work. A lot of that is automated. So I sit down and I create content calendars every month. I use a tool called the Passion Planner, which helps me plan out my monthly and weekly objectives. Um, so all of my tasks are really structured around what it is specifically. Like, for example, if I know that I need to increase my Twitter followers by 5,000 followers in the, in the next uh, six months. You know, I will make sure that whatever I am posting or whatever I am doing on that channel is with that particular aim. So making sure I'm paying attention to my analytics and looking at trends and, and figuring out strategies, not just going on Twitter and tweeting just any old random thing that may seem interesting because it can be a time suck. And you end up, you know, wasting time that could be used more productively. So I, I schedule a lot of that ahead of time unless I am um, doing something in the moment. Like today, for example, I went to a briefing on Capitol Hill. So I did live tweet that um, because it was rele relevant to the work that I'm doing in, in digital, digital health. But other things that I have been posting, I'm, I'm doing it through my automatic scheduler where I have pre-written content that will go out, you know, based on what times have been shown to be optimized for my engagement. Um, things like, you know, even um, meeting with friends for lunch or going out, you know, to social gatherings, none of that is, is done arbitrarily. My calendar is booked up well in advance. I use a scheduling tool called Calendly that feeds right into my Google Calendar. And any, any of my friends know if you want to go to lunch with me, you got to schedule it on the calendar or it's not happening because I cannot be doing things spontaneously. I have too much on my plate. Um, the foundation kind of um, is actually the easiest thing out of all the things that I do because we do have such a large um, volunteer base. Uh, and I have a lot of people that help me get that work out. So my main role with that is really um, writing strategy, designing our fundraising strategy, designing our um, strategic plan, 
And a lot of the actual physical work is done by other people except for speaking. Um, I am the figurehead, so I do all the speaking. I do a lot of the trainings when we do um, in-person in, in workshops and things of that nature. But, yeah, I mean, to answer your question in a shorter format, I would say, one, is use a lot of automation, and two, outsource a lot of things. You can't be all things to all people. Um, and you can get a lot, a lot more done if you're spending your main time focusing on your strongest uh, skills. You know, that is so, I'm so glad that you said that because, uh, you know, as I share with you, I am not tech savvy at all. And I'm just thinking, oh, automation, <laughs> is that how it works? <laughs> I'm like, wow. There's something that actually does that. <laughs> so that is mm -hmm. that is amazing. And when you are working on your your content, uh, how are you, how are you doing this? I use a tool called Hootsuite. Um, and if you notice, I mentioned tools a lot. I'm big on tools, <laughs> so I have a lot of tools in my arsenal. But for my scheduling for social media content, it's Hootsuite. Um, Hootsuite, I have um, a premier package, so it allows me to um, manage up to 10 accounts at once. And um, so all of my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, it's all done through that. So I go through it at the beginning of the month. I look at what I want to put out, what types of material do I want to highlight, um, what are the themes that I'm, I'm focusing on, um, what kind of engagement am I trying to seek, am I looking for growth, am I looking for likes, am I looking for reach, what am I looking for, and I will design a strategy around that um, based on whatever those goals are. And then throughout the week, I try to spend no, no more than an hour uh, a day on social media, physically on social media. Um, I try to spend the rest of my time um, doing other things. Interesting, interesting. And um, you are, I mean, you're just not an entrepreneur, but you know, the educator, writer, you love to travel. And I love that your social media, your site seems so open because you love to have fun. I think there's beer and tech and wellness mm -hmm and uh, travel and the kidney. And I just like loved it. It's like this, uh, this site is, is perfect. And so, I mean, kind of walk people through, and of course this, this definitely includes myself, walk people through baby steps on how you mm -hmm. have been able to do all of these things. The, the block. The blog really helps me, um, I would say, put method to the madness. I'm definitely ADD. I get bored very easily, and <laughs> I cannot sit still. This is true. Uh, I originally started that blog when I was doing a lot of policy work um, a number of years ago, back in 2012, actually. And I got a lot of following because I was talking about things that was very politically relevant at the time. Uh, when I started to transition my career away from public policy, I struggled for a while in trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to say, uh, what 
I wanted to have out there in terms of my audience and who I wanted to reach. And, you know, I went back and forth with various topics over the years. And, you know, I just decided, you know, somebody asked me one day, they were like, what was, what is the focus of this blog? And I was like, well, now that you mentioned it, the focus is me. I'm the focus. <laughs> so right. It is literally a blog about my life, you know, the things I do, the things that I'm interested in, the lessons I want to teach, uh, the things that I've learned, and I just share that. Um, I think my life is kind of unique in that I am kind of tapped into so many diverse um, pieces of the puzzle, and I think that that is what draws people to following me, uh, and I, I'm hopeful that that will continue because I really do enjoy writing uh, quite a bit. That was my first passion. I originally was an English major in undergrad, and I was told it wasn't a practical major, so <laughs> I didn't stick with it. And it, interestingly enough, everything that I've done over the years has brought me right back to writing. So I'm loving it. Yeah, and um, and the thing is, is and and you write, you know, of course you write very, very well. Some really interesting articles, and there was one that struck me was uh, one with you know uh, African American women or black women and hair. And um, and you've even shared on mm -hmm. your video, you know, I'm like, wow, she's bald. Mm -hmm. like, wait, wait, no, well, they're curls and they're, <laughs> there's their braids and wait, there's oh, a, there's they're, another, they're all gone now. There, that's a, another look. So tell us about that. That particular article, um, I just wrote that last week, and it's interesting because it has resonated with so many people. I think that, you know, I, I definitely come from a background where you're told to, like, keep certain things to yourself and always put your best foot forward, never let them see you cry and all that. And, you know, I was talking to my mom over the Christmas holidays, and I was like, you know, Mom, I'm not going to really be able to be a fully effective and the message that I'm trying to send out, which is live life on your own terms, if I am hiding pieces of myself. And, mm -hmm. you know, the issue of hair is something that I have always struggled with um, because I do come from a mixed heritage and, you know, my hair wasn't quite, you know, what it was supposed to be um for some people <laughs> and you know i was always trying to measure myself against expectations and really had some i think deeply ingrained um self-hate that i really never acknowledged and that was playing out in terms of my finances spending hundreds of dollars on braids and weaves um, going back and forth between cutting off all my hair, relaxing my hair, um, just just doing all sorts of things to my hair, never really feeling comfortable, completely comfortable in my own skin for more than a day. And, you know, I said, this is a problem. You know, I'm about to be 45 years old. I'm certainly not going to live the rest of my life like this. I know so many other women who are struggling with this same issue. This is something I want to talk about. And so I did. And um it's really interesting that, you know, it's really just me venting and me really trying to highlight different pieces of the puzzles through the chemicals and the, the negative effects those chemicals have on our body, the financial toll that it takes on, on black women, the way that it impairs our ability to stay fit because we don't want to sweat out our hair. Just so many little, you know, nuggets to this whole conversation that I felt I really want to put 
out there and see how people respond to it. And I'm really um, thankful and and I feel so, you know, grateful that people have responded as positively as, as they have because it was definitely a passion piece. I put a lot of my soul into that article and into the video uh, especially. And I was a little scared at first when I made the video. I actually held on to it for a while before I decided to include it. But I said, you know what, I'm, I, I have a story and I want to talk and I want to see how it resonates and, you know, I have a conversation and I can't do that from holding things back. So I didn't. And I loved it. I, I'm like, she's like, okay, look, I, I'm bald. Okay, I don't have any makeup on. You know, I, I lost this tooth. And, and, and then you just went on and on about, you know, really speaking your truth. And I think that speaks volumes about you and the, the quality of the work that you're doing. Thank you. I really did it. Just kudos to you. And I wanted to ask you, so then what is it to be in agribusiness and gender Equality. Oh, I can't get that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, I kind of fell into that arena, actually. I always had an interest in, in women's issues. I've been doing women's work all throughout my professional life. Ever since I first completed undergrad, I was originally a youth counselor working with adolescent girls when I did my first degree in psychology. And then I went into nonprofits, and I was doing policy work for women of color in Georgia. And then I was doing HIV, women's policy work here in D.C. So it's always been women, 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 and women. Because I don't know, I feel like as a girl, there's just so many obstacles, so many little things that you have to fight against. And, you know, because of my own life experiences, I was always drawn to work with women. When I decided that I really didn't want to be grounded to the United States and then I wanted to have more of an international life, I decided to get my master's in sustainable development, uh, which is international development with a social environmental focus. And when I started getting um, volunteer gigs and, and starting, started to launch my career, everything was in agriculture. And I didn't even know, but in the majority of the world, women are the primary people responsible for agricultural production. So any kind of gender equity work is going to always have a, uh, a social economic piece to it. So you have to go where the women are, and where the women are are on the farm. <laughs> so uh, I kind of fell into doing agribusiness um, because of my desire to work with women, I didn't even know that that's where I was going to end up. And the funny thing is that I, I left North Carolina trying to get away from the country and trying to get away from farms and end up going halfway around the world, spending all my time on farms and working with farmers. Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so basically... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, a lot of people don't really understand the concept of agribusiness, and even if they've heard the term, they tend to identify with large agro uh, corporations like Monsanto. Um, But agribusiness is any kind of farming enterprise. So, for example, say you're a woman and you have a small plot of land in Kenya and you have three cows. 
you've been doing your your subsistence uh, living off of your cow's milk, but now you want to get into dairy production and you want to sell your milk to a dairy distributor. You may decide, okay, I only have three cows. That's not enough cows. Let me deal with these other women. We all have three cows apiece. Now we have, you know, let's say 30 cows. Now you have a cooperative. Now you can do collective bargaining. You can really start to get into marketing your dairy product so that you actually can generate some real revenue. That's the kind of work that I do. That is agribusiness. Interesting. Well, I definitely had not heard of it. And I was like, well, that seems kind of interesting. And so now you have lived in different countries mm -hmm. as well, correct? And, oh, several, and, yeah. mm -hmm. and doing and doing some of this the same work. Mm -hmm. I've worked in pretty much um, every part of Africa from <laughs> north, south, east, west. I've worked in every inch of the continent, Egypt, Kenya, Mali, Mozambique, Nigeria, Ghana, you name it, I've been there. And I've worked in poultry, I've worked in uh, dairy, I've worked with fisheries, I've worked in sustainable honey. I've also worked outside of agriculture, I've worked with artisans and handcrafts, um, women who are carpet makers, women who uh, do beaded jewelry, um, it really depends on the community and whatever the, the core focus is of the community and the international development agencies that are working with them because they're always being funded by some outside entity. And so, you know, when the call comes out, you know, it's really based on, you know, where I'm needed. That's where I go. And sometimes you think you're going to end up working with women on one issue and then you get in country and you find out, oh, no. You're going to have to work on them with something else <laughs> because it's not always uh, as cut and dry as you might think it is when you're dealing with um, economic um, um, struggles of people in resource poor environments. Wow, interesting, interesting. And kind of tell us about wellness because, as someone that is, you, you, you are global, um, and, and Working, you know, on your your Facebook, I believe it was, I thought today, but it may have been last night um, with school and writing the articles. And I think you had a hundred things on what you had done uh, for the day. And <laughs> I mean, tell us, how do you, where, where does your wellness fit in? Well, as I started doing more, more and more work in, in agribusiness, I really started to become very concerned about food security and nutrition. So the traditional model in international development has been monoculture, which is where, um, say, a, a global funding source like the World Bank or the International Monetary Fund will come into a community and say, you know, we think that you're ideally suited to grow bananas. We want you all to focus on bananas. So now you have an entire community who are not getting proper nutrition and only farming subsistence crops. Uh, I mean, sorry, uh, farming crops for export. You can only eat so much bananas. And with the, the national, uh, international banana blight, which is another issue, which is wiping out bananas <laughs> globally, <laughs> 
now you have people who have bananas that they can't even use. And they have no other food, and the land is being utilized for nothing but this purpose. So, you know, you have large concentrations of land in various places that are being used for only one thing. Sometimes it's bananas, sometimes it's coffee, sometimes it's tea, sometimes it's, you know, uh, peppers, it could be roses. But there's always things that no one's eating, at least not there anyway. They may be eating it elsewhere, but the people growing it aren't eating it. Um, so they, they're, they've shifted completely from growing only food to sustain themselves to now growing agricultural crops that are only for export. And there's a huge gap there in between. So I really started to look a lot at this issue and say, you know, there has to be a better model here. You know, you can do farming enterprise in a way that gives people the subsistence um, that they need in order to feed themselves and their families and still have enough cash crops that they can generate income. But there has to be infrastructure. There has to be support systems in place to make this happen. And so uh, I decided to go back and get a second master's in public health uh, with the focus on global health um, because of that. And so it really made me started to start to think about my own health and my community here in Washington, D.C., and also my community back in North Carolina and some of the challenges that we face, uh, particularly as black women in America. Uh, and so a lot of my writing kind of shifted to wellness um, because of that. Interesting. And and what do you see, what's, what's the, um, I don't want to say the, the end plan or the goal, but what do you want to do with this with the second masters with this work? Well, I want to continue to do consulting. Uh, I don't plan to stop doing that um, at all, but I would definitely like to do more on the policy side of things um, and move away from doing the hands-on community work. Most of my work right now is with the people directly. Um, I do have to work through uh, government agencies when it comes to infrastructure, but I want to do more top-level policy design um, because I think that that is where a lot of it starts. If there is no funding to make something happen, we can educate people all day long about why something is a good practice. But if people don't have funding and they don't have roads, they don't have electricity, they don't have internet, they don't have any infrastructure to make these things happen, it's all for naught. So I really want to have more, more of a reach to the policy arena. Interesting. That is, that is fantastic. That is truly, truly. Mm -hmm. Admirable. And now, do you have events coming up, correct? Did you say an event coming up? Events, yes. I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Oh, um, I have a number of events coming up. What, what kind of event are you speaking of? I thought I saw something on Facebook with two events, or maybe they, maybe you weren't sponsoring mm -hmm. them. Maybe they were just events that came up with your image beside them. Maybe liking or hmm. attending or something. Are you talking about something that I'm posting or something that I'm attending? Maybe you just posted it and I took it I as know. you were attending. I have two attending. things. <laughs> I, 
Maybe. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I do go <laughs> to a lot of events um, because of the blog. I'm always covering different events. And just for my own kind of nerdy interest, I, I'm, a, I'm a wonk. I'm, a, I'm very much a wonk. So I'm always going to lectures and discussions and seminars. I personally don't have any events um, coming up. I'm, I'm doing a training on February 4th on strategic planning uh, here in Washington, D.C. Um, that's a one-day workshop, and it's going to be at the WeWork Apollo. Um, from 10 to 12, I believe. I have to look at the schedule. But other than that, I don't really have anything that I'm doing. You know, I do organize happy hours and meetups uh, from time to time, but that's more just for social interest. It's not really for business. Um, in terms of things that I'm going to, I'm going to the Sundance Film Festival next week. I'm going to be covering that for the blog, and I'll be doing interviews and covering screenings, um, primarily focusing on female and minority creators. And so I'm very much looking forward to that because that's, that's going to be a phenomenal experience. There's a lot going on at Sundance, and I've never been before. I've always wanted to go, and I've gotten a lot of um, interest in my writing. So I'm very happy to be going to that. Congratulations. I wish I was going with you. My goodness. Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, I think maybe two days ago, I think Spike Lee now um, is, I'm not sure what his role is in Sundance. Do I have that correct? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Well, I haven't seen his name come up my desk, but it's such a massive festival. Yes, <laughs> it's I'm the largest sure. film festival in, in the world, at least independent film festival. Right, right. So I saw something with him. I think it was a day or two ago. If it wasn't Sundance, maybe it was something else where he, um, I don't know, it was a major, that's a major part of it. Or um, so I'm going to have to go back and, and look that up. But congratulations, kudos to you. That is awesome. Thank you. That, thank you. I'm very much looking forward to that one. Yeah, and we'll definitely, you know, uh, be talking about it. And you had, I know I noticed you had your, your, I guess not just life lessons, but your life principle. What, what is your life principle? What is my life principle? Yes. I would say live, live, live life on your own terms. Um, you know, my, my tagline for my blog is living out loud and having your say. I really believe that, you know, um, you cannot be happy if you're living for other people. I, I am the oldest of eight. I have come from parents that I, I would say really pushed me to excel. Uh, mediocrity is not, you know, an option. Excel, be your best. And for a long time, I feel like my life was really about making them proud and, and making other people happy. Not to say that that's a bad thing, um, because I do think there is value in, in making your parents proud and wanting to be, you know, a positive role model for your siblings and for other family members. But I was miserable. I had very high profile jobs and I was unhappy at the end of the day. So, you know, I came to a place in my life where I just decided for my own mental health and well-being 
that I needed to really switch the focus um, more to me. And I, I, I have seen in, in my work, especially as a consultant, um, particularly when it starts to become more coaching <laughs> and consulting, which happens a lot, <laughs> that, you know, living life on your own terms is very important. You really need to be living a life based on what brings you joy. Because life is too short and it's, tomorrow is not promised. Absolutely. That is well said. And Mercedes, how can folks get in touch with you? Well, I'm all over the social media. So on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, my handle is DG Speaks. Um, it's DG Speaks on all of those platforms. Um, I have my blog, of course, which is ggspeaks.com. Um, and then people can always email me. Um, you can email me at diane at ggspeaks.com. Um, that is the best way to reach out to me. Okay. Well, I want to thank you, Mercedes Diane Griffin Forrest, for being on the Stroke Diva Fabulous radio show. And we have set a date where I will see you on uh, March 11th to be on the award-winning Ed Brown television show in Bowie, Maryland. So we can continue our conversation and definitely you'll have to bring pictures and uh, really show us what went on with the festival. <laughs> that's going to be great. <laughs> and I as you I'll definitely be looking forward to it. Yes. Talk Shoe is live. Yeah, it, it, it's going to it is it's going to be great. But um, you know, as you know, talk show is live and recorded, and uh, once we're done, it'll take a few minutes to upload itself, and it will go into the talk show uh, archive, which of course I will post on social media. And now I know you already have it digital; it's ready. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, have, you have your digital plan. Ready. <laughs> It'll yeah. take it. I'll, yeah. I'll be going one by one <laughs> to each social media site, and you'll be able to have it done in an hour, <laughs> which is great. But thank you so much for being on the show this evening, and uh, safe travels. Uh, for next week, and and then I will see you in thank March. Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Yes, me too. Thanks, uh, folks, for yeah. for tuning in. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Having me, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk between now and March. So until next time. Until next time. Thank you, and you have a have a enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs> And I want to thank right. folks for bye bye to the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show. And I will chat with you next time. Alrighty. Bye bye, everyone. Have a fabulous evening. <laughs>